podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that is at least delighted that we don't have to play Kilmarnock again this season. This week on Heart and Hand, what? In four weeks? Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, and uh, against my better judgment, I've been persuaded this week to let on two of the young team. They are on the bizarrely popular patronising show on our Patreon network. Do you see what they did there with the name? It's uh, the biggest contrast in couples since Beauty and the Beast. It's the Paisley peasant and the posh public schoolboy. First of all, the man with a punchable voice, Mr. James Forrest. Hello there, David. And uh, his Lady in the Tramp style companion, Mr. Chris Bett. Hello, Chris. Hello, David. Hello, James. So, gentlemen, uh, let's start at uh, uh, Saturday, um, a natural break in the season. And for once, I think a lot of the Rangers supporters are not too unhappy to be going into an international break. The team failed to win for the fourth match in a row. A bit of a slump in form with uh, a 1-1 draw at home to Kilmarnock, a match that, apart from the fact that it was Kilmarnock and we very much have seen these games before, it was a type of match that we'd seen several times already this season. Uh, Rangers with pretty much all the ball, struggling to break down uh, a resolute, packed Kilmarnock defence, Kilmarnock looking to to see if they could get us on a break or score off a mistake, which of course they did. Rangers conceding a, a, a very poor goal in the first half, just a long ball over the top and then mistakes all over the shop defensively, allowing McElhaney in to score. Uh, Rangers do come back in the second half, but it takes a moment of sublime quality from the best player in Scotland, Alfredo Morelos, with a, a stunning turn and uh, either he meant it or it was still lightning quick reactions to his touch regardless uh, it was still very impressive and then a brilliant finish for one each 25 minutes to go Rangers looked confident of going on and getting the victory but it never materialised and yet again James leaving Ibrox with that feeling of we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot here yeah it's all down to us it's all down to our missed opportunities and players kind of being caught on their own heels when the ball's almost been like played through to them or played into an area they can run onto and, and tap in. Um, incredibly frustrating. And the, the biggest frustration is we knew how we were going to play. We knew the setup when the lineup comes out. Yes, there's different players in there, but it's the same, it's the same setup. And teams like Kilmarnock, like Aberdeen, like Hibs, they find that very, very easy to play against. We look we look good when we're playing against the, the lower level sides in, in the league, and that's fine. But the biggest, biggest annoyance among so many fans at the moment, I think, is we just don't seem to have any form of other plan going on at the moment, other other way of playing, another way that can deal with two, two banks of, of four that are just going to be so tight and so difficult to break down that really the only thing we can do is just pass it along the, the penalty area and hope that an area appears. And more often than not, it doesn't. That's the thing that I, I find most frustrating. And that, that's why, as, as you say, I'm 
I'm glad we've got this opportunity now to hopefully in the training ground work on something a bit different that we can at least try and, and, and look at for the rest of the season. This is something that Martin and I spoke about on Extra last week where I know that as fans we tend to think that they go away and they work in a training ground and it just changes and I don't think football's like that. I think it's, it's like anything, it evolves over time. Um, and to be honest with the squad that we currently have, I, I don't think it's it's kitted out really to do anything. We we all come away from these matches saying we desperately need a, a number ten tight, we desperately need a creative midfielder, and the fact is that that we do. Uh, also to that, I thought Chris on Saturday they looked tired. I thought mentally, um, possibly physically, I don't know, but certainly they looked mentally tired, and I think that that's why guys like Kent Candias nothing at all in their game sparkles right now. Yeah, I think when you look at um, tiredness, the the one man who kind of personifies that the most is Conor Goldson. I think he, he just looks spent. Um, yeah, he does. He got done for pace yeah. three times at the weekend and in a way you wouldn't expect him to. Well, well, that's the thing. Like I can't remember him ever being done for pace like that, especially three times in a one match. He oh, just... yeah, not 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 uh, so often, no. Um, I... Just... I, I I wonder if he was carrying... I think a few of them have been carrying an ox. And this this goes back, again, something that we've talked about, about the manager having players that he trusts. But uh, Goldson uh, could could really do with this, with this two-week outside. Yeah, yeah and, and I agree with you with Kent as well. He's he's not been as um, as effective as, as, as what he was, um, certainly before the, the break. Um he he just looks like kind of devoid of ideals. It does the same thing, um, and I think that comes with just tiredness mentally mm. and physically as well. Um, yeah, this has been a big season for the likes of. The, I mean, it's a big season in terms of games played for anybody, but for a lot of these guys who have never had a season like this in their career, I think that unfortunately, and I'm not excusing it because obviously they're still getting paid the desire still to go out and win. I'm just saying that clearly there's a few of them who are struggling to adapt to the reality of being at a a huge club with massive expectations. Yeah, that that's that's it. I mean, Ryan Kent has he has he played as many games as us um, in a season? I don't think so. Connor Goldson, he he was out for the best part of two years, really. Um, he's not played this many games. Then you you look at the other the other players that that come in. Um, well, Arfield, he you would say that he has played this number of games, but he just doesn't seem to be able to keep himself fit. Um, I think that that was the manager sort of admitting that Jack and Arfield had played uh, through the pain barrier, if you like, the last few weeks. And I think we'd noticed that in terms of a drop-off in their performances. And yeah, it's great that they're willing to do that and everything, but I think that we saw the negative effect it can have on the side. Stephen Davis returned to the midfield at the weekend, James, uh, and he came in alongside the lesser-spotted Lasana Koulibaly, hands own, of course. Uh, I was a little surprised to see him uh, in the side ahead of Ross McCrory. And the argument is it's not having a Ross McCrory-type player there that, that was the difference in this. Again, it was a lack of creativity in the, the last third, which I, I do understand. But for me, that the midfield three with Glenn Kamara... They, at times, they basically stood in a line, and then we did have that, as as Chris alluded to, we had the square pass, square pass, out to wing back. The first half, I felt they tried to play much more through the middle. Um, by the second half, they saw it wasn't working, and they abandoned it and, and tried to use the wings a little more. But I think there was noticeably from the Aberdeen game where it was just 
get it wide, aimless cross, get it wide. I thought that at the weekend they did try to, to vary it up a little, it just did not work. Um, Stephen Davis, I thought, kept at it and worked hard, but he's gained miles off for whatever reason at the moment. We we did play a lot through, more through the middle and thank goodness because when we did go wide, I thought, you know, we were just poor. Uh, you know, the, the crosses in were not there. Guys were getting, you know, closed down too quickly for, for them to be able to do anything. So at least we were trying that through the middle. But what we what we were severely lacking was that number 10 that will thread the pass, will find those wee gaps that can get the attackers the ball in, in the area. That's what we thought Stephen Davis was going to do. We were talking about that before the January window. It's like, who, who can we get in that's going to be that player? And most, if not all, Rangers fans said Stephen Davis was, was that guy. He could do that. But he's a different player now than what he was when we had him before. And we're seeing that. And as much as he's still the hard worker... Don't think his passing's there. I don't think his, you know, that that, that eye is is there as much anymore. And that's the thing that's that's costing us is is not having that player that can just sit there and and, and be be the passer of the ball. Ryan Kent has sometimes played as a number ten and and can be good because of his unpredictability and his speed uh, and and the trickery that goes on there. But still, that's not the the player that that we need. We're we're desperately missing that and. And it's too late now, you know, it's too late for us to, to, to go and get that. We just have to accept that and hope that when the summer comes, that's something we can look to look to bring in for hopefully quite a, a healthy war chest based on guys that might might go out. Um, because I think I think we're vitally, vitally needing that. Yeah, the, the problem that I think we have with that is there's really only two guys who can bring in significant funds and uh, they're very important to us, although they had differing fortunes at the weekend, Chris. Uh, I thought that that was one of Tav's poorest performances of the season. He just could not get going at all in an attacking sense. Nothing was coming off for him, as, as James mentioned. The crossing wasn't there. And defensively, he had a bit of a howler. I thought him and Goldson down our right-hand side were a bit of a bomb scare at the weekend. And again, to me, it was just tiredness. He was he was doing things almost by almost by rote. You know, he was he didn't have the spark or the invention that you would hope for. And it becomes clear that you know I know that that people have their concerns about Tav, and he he, he can be frustrating at times. And I I don't want to get into the whole captaincy thing because we've done it to death. But you do notice when he's not doing what he does for us how much we seem to rely on our right back as a creative hub yeah well we're not the same team um you know it's it's quite i think adam said that um his output is just outstanding when you look at it when it comes to assisting goals um and if he's not at it um which he wasn't on on saturday we aren't the same team at all um we're not the we're not a threat down that right hand side, um, and if if he's not at it attacking wise, and he's not at it defensively, it becomes a bit of a, almost a bit of a kind of liability, which he was on Saturday. I, I mean, the whole back four, apart from Katic, uh, I think Katic's the only one that actually gets pass marks. Um, just, just labouring and lethargic, but I think to Tav's defence, he's played a lot of football this year. Um, a hell of a lot of football. Yeah. Um, and we all said after the Celtic game. Yeah, the break's come at the right time. Um, Tav is definitely one of the ones that needs it. And since the break, I've 
I, I've not seen a freshness in him. I think he's just almost been the, the same kind of tiredness and yeah, he'll, he'll do he'll do flashes of absolute brilliance. Uh, brilliance he's very talented, yeah. Yes, absolutely. exactly. It will come through, but not as consistent as it was at the at the early stages of the season. So it's, it just it just comes back to um, you're, as a fan, you're just frustrated and. You obviously sometimes don't actually take it into consideration. These guys are just, you know, human beings. But we all we're all of the mindset. They get paid that a good amount of money. They should be getting there with the best mentality um, to win football matches. And when it doesn't happen, that's when we start to kind of pick things apart. But um, I think you know he had a poor game, but he wasn't the only one. But certainly, no, to, no. To, certainly to your point, when he's off it, it's it's a big miss to the side. The other guy, of course, who's uh, by the manager's own admission after the match, we are over-reliant on at the moment, and uh, I don't think anyone with functioning eyes would would deny it, James, is, of course, Alfredo Morelos. And I thought his goal was a thing of absolute beauty. Now, uh, at first I thought, well, that's that's Bergkamp-esque. Now you can say, well, did he mean the touch? Well, see, even if he doesn't mean the touch, the reaction to it, is lightning quick. I mean, it goes beyond the reaction. It's into just anticipation. It's just instinct. And then the finish is superb. I don't know what was better, the turn or the... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he meant it, by the way. But even if he didn't, um, the reaction to that touch and then to go spin the defender, get on the end of it and finish it all pretty much in in a, a split second was world-class. The key word you used there was instinct, and he's he's developed that immeasurably over over this season. That that goal scorer's instinct, which we we saw already in his first season, but it's improved so much. And you know he he looks when he's in the box every time. I feel confident he's going to score, uh, especially with a chance like that. I'm I'm with you. I give him the benefit of the doubt in that because I think from what we've seen from him throughout the season, it's not beyond him to mean that move and to get himself into a position where he's essentially one on one with the keeper. Uh, and you know the the ball in is you know it's it's not a bad ball. At least it's finding it's a decent that gap, ball, but, yeah. But it's not. Yeah, a, but it a, has to. It's not putting on a plate. You know, he'll get an assist, but really, Alfie should get the goal and the assist, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. No, that's what that's what I mean. He's got so much work to still do with that, and and he does it. And again, the frustration that he's going through in that game because he doesn't find that, and he's a very emotional player, and he lets that emotion show. And when he doesn't, when it doesn't come off from you, you can see the head kind of go down, and you, you see him get angry. But he he is more often than not, I think able to channel that anger in such a way that he's able to produce something like that. So, yes, we are absolutely over-reliant on him. He's a player who I think, you know, I, I think we need to, sadly, I think we need to enjoy what we get from him while we still can. Uh, but I think we can get a very, very good amount of money for him. And I think that's going to really help us in our in our summer recruitment for, you know, what we need about maybe four or five players that can go into that starting yeah, lineup and really make starters. a difference. Yeah, yeah totally absolutely. Agree. Don't don't be looking at the you know, trying to just fill the fill the squad with numbers, etc. You're absolutely able to get for the fee that you're gonna get from Morelos, five guys who are absolutely gonna get into that starting lineup and be those players that we are currently missing. 
You see, this is something that in the doom and gloom that follows a bad result, but more accurately, a, a, a poor spell of performance. And I think you can go back really bar one three-game run to after the winter break. Rangers just haven't performed consistently at all throughout that period. And obviously, it's now 10 points behind Celtic. Looks uh, a wee bit too far now. It probably was before, but it certainly looks it now. And of course, there's you know a lot of anger, a lot of frustration among the support. But for me, if you look at the results, a lot of it comes down to stupid points lost to draws. Games we should have won. And I can pick out five off the top of my head and boom, there's 10 points. It really is like that. Whereas I can't think of too many where I think, oh, we stole that. You know, maybe St. Johnston away with the last minute winner. But overall, Rangers have kind of had to play well to win. And when we have, we've been capable of sweeping teams away. But when we haven't played well, we don't have that ability. Either mindset or, in my opinion, quality, or both is probably most accurate. We don't have those guys who turn draws into victories. And I think, in a way, it's limited progress because last season we didn't have guys who could stop us getting you know, absolutely trolled sometimes. But we lack the guys who can turn Saturday into three points, who could turn Hibs the other week into three points. And that's what we need in the summer. So while the gap is huge, it's 10 points, you can't deny it, I, I, the frustrating thing as a fan to me, Chris, is that I think that we are in the right direction um, but we desperately need an injection of of quality, not squad players, not guys to come in and challenge we need guys who can come in get the first team spot and then really make it their own and drive up the level of the guys who are squad players, drive them up to improve because there's now serious quality at the club and serious competition Well, when when you look at the league table um yeah, it's ten points, and it is. I think it's too far now. Um, but there's there's only four draws in it. We've had four more draws than Celtic, but the same amount of defeats. <clears throat> and if you look at, you know, I can pick out the four straight away where we should have won. You know, Aberdeen uh, in the first day of the season, Motherwell three each, um, Dundee, uh, <clears throat> Dundee Dens Park, and Hibs at home when they scored in the eighty-six minute. And, and that's not even taking into account the two Hibs games away where we battered them and drew. Yeah, no, absolutely as well, yeah. Um, but the, the Hibs game at Ibrox was, was more frustrating for me because the fact that, you know, we, we were 1-0 up and we, we conceded in the, yeah. the last five minutes. Well, it's from um, a position, yeah. Yeah, and and effectively that's the difference. Um, and I, I mean, I, you, you said that's not including the, the two uh, Easter Road. I'm also not including the two draws we come on look at Ibrox, you know what I mean? It's, it's just... Um, we are missing that player that can turn draws into wins because that that is the that is the, the the biggest problem that we have at the moment is is getting that that final bit of quality in matches to, to see teams off. Rangers are quite predictable this season. Um, if Rangers get a goal in the first fifteen minutes, you know they're going to you, you know they're going to get another two or three uh, and sweep the time aside as you said, David. But see if Rangers don't get a goal um, yeah. in the first half. You, you, the writing's on the wall almost in terms of the, we're going to drop points um, <clears throat> I think I wasn't the only one that thought when Kilmarnock scored that goal and it went into half time 1-0 up this is going to be repeat Aberdeen we're going to, they're going to be camped in the box we're going to be going for the equaliser and then they're going to catch us in the break and, and score a second I, I, feel would, I did worry that. about that at half time yeah. Yeah. I worried, I thought I've seen this match this week so but what you're saying though in, in comparison with last season to this season, last season we would fold 
absolutely folding. We get spanked off teams. Um, this season, it's now a case of, okay, we're not getting beat, but we're not winning either. <laughs> so we, need, we obviously need to find the players um, that, in the summer that, that can do that. J- just on the, the Morelos thing, obviously we, we'd get a lot of money from him. I'd really, really hope we do not sell him. If, if you gave me the option just now, I'd rather sell Tavernier, um because it's all very well saying, all very well fine saying, if Morelos gets us 15 million off, uh, we can reinvest that in quality players. But that's fine. But you're not going to replace Morelos. That's that's the thing. I mean, to replace a player like Morelos, how much is that going to cost? On top of the players that we need as well at the moment. So you're uh, not you're not going to replace them at all. That's a fact. Yeah. But I think that what you can try to do is make the team better because right now we are totally reliant on one guy. And you're maybe maybe I don't know. But maybe it's better to have three or four guys who are good as opposed to one who's brilliant uh, or, or really good, at least. I, I don't know, but that is definitely the, the Cat 22. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with, with that point of view as well, that you have to, I think, you sell one great player and you get... Because the problem is we are over-reliant on one guy. So what you do is if you if you get in the money from him and you can spend it on a number of guys who can take on that mantle and sometimes it's going to be one of them and sometimes it's going to be a collective. I think in this situation, both him and also Tavernier, I think are the two that we can we can get money for. And I, I believe that with that, you can buy five players who are all going to come straight in and are all going to take on that mantle. I, for me, I disagree with Chris that we, we should, if the opportunity comes up, sell them for that that 15 to 20 million but to, to be honest minimum 20 million we should be looking for if that bid doesn't come in then we keep them and that's great and we hope that we've got guys in there that, that that can improve that but if that does come in then we absolutely should take it i don't think we're going to be positioned to not do it anyway so uh i think it might be unfortunately it might be a little bit uh of an academic question but um the manager faces criticism and deservedly so because the results haven't been good enough and as as James said there we tend to play much of a muchness at times and we see the same things that happen time after time. I don't sense any groundswell of serious opposition to him. Um, I think most people realise that there has been progress, not as much as we would like but progress and that he, as a young manager, he was going to make mistakes. We all said it at the start of the season, but of course it's a lot easier to say it in theory than to have to live with it. Um, But he has, he's made errors this season. It's about whether or not you believe that he will learn and and grow from them. And as I say, when when people say, well, he hasn't learned, and you're like, yeah, it's still, you know, eight months into his managerial career, mate. That's not quite how it works, unfortunately. Um, He will develop through time. But I agree that time at club liqueurs is is always limited. But I think while we'd accept that he definitely has questions to answer, Chris, I think that there is still the the realistic possibility. I don't think we're deluding ourselves to say that equally when he goes away, looks at season as a whole, reflects on it over the summer, comes back, gets the right player, that there's still very much the opportunity for him to go on and win trophies with us. Well, that's the thing. He's he's not going to go away at the end of the season, assess it, and go. Ah, oh, no, nothing much needs changed. Really, no, he, no he's, not. he's not. He is. He is going to. He is going to change things, and he will learn. I mean, this whole 
he is going to make mistakes and he will learn for it. I, I totally subscribe to that, and that that is what's going to happen. But he's exactly he can't put things right in the next match immediately in the next match because he can only um, use the players that he's got right now. And Whittle with the willy he's waving. Yes, yeah, I believe that's one for a better saying. Um, it's going to take time, and we aren't going to be able to properly assess if he's learnt his lessons or not until the first, second, third, or fourth match of next season. And I understand that's frustrating to people, and it's frustrating to me as well. But let's not get carried away, guys. Let's not say let's get him out or anything like that because he's he's done a he's done a decent job up to now. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's done a, a brilliant job or a, or a good job. I expected a little better, um, which is probably my kind of expectation as a Rangers. No, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable. Mm. I think you're, I think you're still very much in the terms of, of reasonableness there. And I think what it does come down to is that as much as people may have decided, or oh, you know, he's he's not got it or whatever, let's just change. We cannot, we cannot simply cannot sack a manager every seven months because they haven't won the league uh, or haven't got particularly close to winning the league and give a new guy 10 million in the summer and say right go and build a championship winning team because the odds on us doing that are pretty long and unfortunately we're going to need some stability and we need to let them we knew this we need to let them grow into the role but Jesus the growing pains are frustrating and anyone who says that they're not is uh uh, somewhat deluding themselves but wasn't helped by a, a comedy goal at the weekend James that we conceded as I said just a long ball over the top two of the defenders stepped up two didn't Connor Goldson uh, then gets caught under the ball slightly and Alan McGregor who had a weird game he got booked for running out to complete I thought harshly but he was going tonto throughout the game at the ref at his defence Um and then he makes a, a, a poor decision, which is unlike him, to come out, realises he can't really do anything when he gets there because he can't risk, or he'll be off, he can't risk a tackle going wrong, and basically just is in total no-man's land allowing the the Kilmarnock forward to just take the ball around him and, and put it away. And it was it was such a horrific goal to give away that it just knocked the stuffing out of the, the fans for a bit. But uh, any... any Slight concerns that, that maybe just somebody needs to take Alan aside and say the suspension was a shocker, but you've got to calm down. Um, although the other side, and this is kind of where I am, is I just think he cares and I think he's as frustrated as we are about these shitty results. And I think it's it's driving him up the wall and that's kind of where I am on it. I always worry Watching McGregor and the way that he that he speaks to referees, I always worry that a ref is going to turn around and be like, ah, no, I'm not going to let you speak to me like that. There's a yellow card. Whether whether that's right or not, I don't know. Um, it, it, seem, it seems daft to, to think that, but there's, it's always at the back of my mind, and that's maybe a question more about referee competency, etc. But I think it did. I think what had happened there, and clearly... You know the fact that he got booked did affect his his judgment because he didn't want to he didn't want to barge into the player for risk of getting yeah, another booking and getting sent off. Couldn't take the risk, and and I'd have been more yeah. annoyed at him if he had run out, missed time the tackle, and got sent off. You sometimes you've got to just accept you've made a mistake and, and let them score. It's one of my pet hates. Is for instance when a defender gets caught with a long ball and he holds the guy back and gets 
sent off in a penalty and I'm like, well, mate, just let him have the shot. A, you never know. And B, um, now we're down to 10 men and facing a penalty, which is worse. So I, I realised once he got there, I think he's went, ah, shit, I've got to, I've got to let him do it. And look, my, my view on it is our season would have been in a considerably worse state if Alan McGregor hadn't been a part of it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. No, he's he's been so important and is and is on you know that for me a three man shortlist for player of the year because of because of the importance and some of the match winning performances that he's he has put in. Um, a lot of people when they talk about that captaincy thing, they they will reference McGregor and say you know he's clearly the the, the leader in the park etc. He's certainly not shy at barking orders, particularly to whoever's playing at left back. Um, not much, not many things change in life, and yes, that's a good thing. But sometimes, if you if you're kind of communicating in such a way that that can almost alienate as well. And what you need is you need strong characters to respond to that. I don't think we have that at the moment. So that's maybe part of the recruitment thing again. Is can you bring in guys that can deal with that? For me, McGregor. If Tavernier was to go, I would make Alan McGregor the captain. Uh, personally, I think he would be he'd be the ideal fit for that. But there maybe is a debate, and I don't I don't know either way at the moment. There maybe is a debate over whether the way he's the, the way he's expressing himself is, is that necessarily the best way of doing that, or is is that the only way he can do that as well? I suppose is the other argument. Chris, I'm kind of in the camp though that the guy's a winner and he's just as pissed off as we are um, and I have some sympathy for him. All I would say is that if it is affecting his game, then maybe, yeah, okay, then maybe the, the gaffer needs to say, look, right, come on, we're all pissed off, but, you you know, you've you've, you've got to calm it down. But then we go back, we had a live show at Ibrox on Friday night with Kevin Thompson and we mentioned Alan McGregor and he burst out laughing and said, oh, he fucking took it out in Sasha. And he felt, said, oh, the boys felt so sorry for Sasha Papac. That's kind of just who he is, isn't it? And there's an argument now that it brought Sasha Papac on. So... Yeah, well, I mean, he played well, didn't he? If we but... had a left back that could play as well as Sasha Papac did, I would, I'd take a Sasha, I'd take 10 Sasha Papaches tomorrow. Yeah, no, so would I. I love that guy. Um, but in terms of McGregor, um, and he's let's call it his passion. Yeah, uh, absolutely not. Don't don't curtail that. No, that's that's who McGregor is. I mean, I don't think it affects his game. I think what's affected his game recently has been the suspension. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but see, every time something happens um, to a player or to him, it's almost as if you can see him referencing the fact that he gets sent off against Aberdeen for something like similar or something. And it's still in the back of his mind, I think. And I think that's why he's, he's kind of shown his frustration a lot more to the referees, uh, purely because of the inconsistencies. But if you look back at McGregor under Walter, um, money bastard then, wasn't he? Nothing's changed. Uh, it's it's who he is. He's a winner. He's frustrated. He's a Rangers fan. Um, the, the problem that he's got is, this time around, the players in the park, the 10 guys in front of him aren't as good as the guys that were in front of him previously. Yeah. And he's, he's just trying to bring them up to standard. But, no, um, I, I wouldn't change him. I, I wouldn't change him for the world, actually. Um, by far the best keeper in Scotland. 
Yeah. Um, happy that he's retired now from Scotland duty. I think people, I think he came out and said that he done that for his body. No, he didn't. I think he done that because he get, um, he got that red card and he's had enough for the SFA, which is fair enough. Um, I, I, I just, I, I think on Saturday, uh, the goal. I'm actually going to be slightly harsh on him. I think that it was his fault. I know that goals can get caught under the ball, but if McGregor stayed in, Katic was coming round, I think, which mm. would have, which would have meant that McAlenny would have had to beat Katic to get, to get through on goal. But Why you, he came you, out. You, lo- you love Katic, though. You would you you probably believe that even if he did get there, that Katic oh, could He was going to win the ball, wasn't he? He was going to win the ball and that. <laughs> Start start our counter attack. Exactly, so, we've just scored. Aye, aye. Aye. So um, right, actually, we'll, we'll we'll put the blame on him. But no, I I I agree with your points. I think he is who he is, and, and I wish we'd more like him. In all honesty, but uh, we just don't want to see him getting picked up more suspensions through being pissed off about his previous no, suspension. There is there is that. Now, one incident I want to talk about before we we move on from the game is Kilmarnock, who have developed a bit of an uppity streak round us at the moment. And unfortunately, as frustrating as it is, it's because we're not beating them and because they're up near us in the league. It's that simple. Unless we are beating these diddy teams like Kelly and Aberdeen regularly and by a few goals and we're not, then we've got to ex- accept this. Uh, we, we hope the players don't accept it, but we can't really argue back against it because they, these teams are getting the results that enables them to, to have a chirp at us and the way to shut them up is to get the results that, that stop it. But over and above Kilmarnock's tactics, and this is incidentally why I spoke about this on one of our shows on Patreon, that I don't subscribe to the Steve Clark genius theory. I think he's a good manager. Kilmarnock are exceptionally well organised. They really are. But there's a reason why he only gets to a certain level as a manager, and that's because it's great that he can do that and being able to get his you know, two banks of floors or whatever. But um, at a club like us, or uh, dare I say it, uh, the one across the road, you need a bit more than that because you need to go and win matches. And that that's a limitation. But fair enough. Uh, it, it, it sounds like I'm, I'm having a complaint about his tactics. I'm genuinely not. It, it's up to Rangers to be better. It's up to Rangers to win those matches. And we haven't been good enough to do it against Kilmarnock or against Aberdeen. And that's down to us. We need to look in the mirror and we need to develop a way to beat them. But one of the, the things that, that did annoy me about Kilmarnock is their, shall we say, robust tackling followed by their moaning afterwards about a couple of tackles they received. Because... Malumbu should have been sent off. Um, he had at least three bookable offences that I counted. Somehow managed only to pick up one. There were several other piss poor tackles going on. And of course, the only thing Kalanick focused on, and therefore the only thing the media focused on, was a tackle by Conor Goldson at the end that he got booked for. Should have been a red card, in my opinion. Anyone disagree? No. No. Was He had to make the foul, incidentally. So even if he'd had a red card, I wouldn't have. Uh, been too annoyed because he had to make the foul. But um, afterwards, you know, of course, you know, chip on the shoulder, gripe comes out. Uh, and one of the things uh, as well, one of the players on social media with the most idiotic thing I think I've ever seen, Stephen Gerrard had said that we conceded a, a terrible goal. And he said, oh, does anyone ever score a, ge- a good goal against this lot? Well, I don't know about you, mate, but when we concede a goal, we don't tend to look at what the opposition did. We tend to look at what we did, you fucking muppet. And yes, from our point of view, every goal we concede is a bad goal, you dick. But um, 
Moving on to a former Rangers player, a guy by the name of Kirk Broadfoot. Now, there are some ex-players who are legends, and that's not a term that will ever be attached to Kirk Broadfoot. But I think in most fans' eyes, Broadfoot was a guy who did his best for us, did well for us, um, a limited player, as he was famously called. But, you know, he, he, he earned his wage when he was with us. He won medals. I don't think many people had much against him. Um, but his behaviour recently, going back to the, the Ryan Jack incident last season, if there's a thing I hate in a footballer, it's sneaky cowardness, James. And on Saturday, we see an incident at half-time where it looks as though Alfredo Morelos has shoved him in the chest. And, of course, everybody uh, who's not connected with Rangers or, or not follower of Rangers starts, oh, Morelos, blah, blah, the usual kind of witch hunt that happens any time Alfie farts in the direction of an opposition player. And... When you see the incident back, Broadfoot very deliberately walks up behind him, has a wee sneaky look, and then runs his studs down the back of Alfredo's Achilles, which, if you've ever had happen to you folks, is very, very painful and not very pleasant at all, and Alfie reacts. Now, this is a guy who, as I say, like like the cowardly cheat that he is, decides he's going to walk up, try and hurt an opposition player, not just with the intention of hurting them, but with the intention that the player will get upset and then maybe get sent off. I think this is vile. I think that's utter scumbag behaviour from a guy who I think is showing over his time at Kilmarnock that he is nothing but a scumbag. It's cowardly behaviour. It's sneaky, it's unnecessary, and he's got form for that. You remember last season... We won a penalty late on. Um, he Stands does something the, similar. Yeah, Ryan yeah. Jack, that's right. Then goes down as if he's been shot to try and get him sent off. Yep, he does. That's right, yep. So he's done that before. It's just, that's clearly a tactic that either he has thought of himself or Steve Clark has told, has told him along the lines of, you know, wind him up, get him sent off. That is small club mentality. And your point on you know, the way that they've reacted. Yeah, of course, they're going to milk it for all it's worth because when when we start thumping them properly again, then they'll not have they'll not have anything really really to say. So that's all they can do. They can only milk it for what it's worth at the moment. And yeah, just just a, a horrible, vile, stupid, unnecessary moment from a guy who really changed the term have an egg in your face. Hmm. Chrissy's from Paisley. Defend them. Uh, Broadfoot. Uh, yeah. What I'll say about Broadfoot Actually, is... I think he's from Ayrshire, so no, I should, he's from, he's from I should Turbolton. probably defend him. Turbolton's in Ayrshire, eh? Yeah, that, that's that's what I was going to say. That, uh, that might explain a lot if you've ever been to Turbolton. It's not it's not known for producing rocket scientists. This, you know? this, this is a guy, right? See, when I was 17, the day he signed for Rangers, I was actually um, working for St Mon, and... I spoke to him, uh, this is genuinely the truth, and I says, are you delighted? And he's like, yeah, um, been a Rangers fan all my life. And I, and I believe that he is a Rangers fan, because um, you could tell he was really, really happy to be with us when, when he was a player. Um, probably couldn't believe his luck, to be honest, but um, what is he playing at? Rangers men don't do that, even if you're an opposition player. I can't remember an ex-Rangers player who played against us and acted like this. Why is he? He knows what kind of reaction he'll get from from Morelos. Um, 
Morelos wasn't in the wrong, by the way. That's not me saying he was in the wrong, because I've actually seen pundits on Twitter, and Tam McManus is one of them, and if he's defending Morelos, you know something's fucking... You, you know that something's going wrong there with the opposition player. And McManus actually said he Morelos reacted the way anybody would react. If you rake your studs down somebody's Achilles, what is that all about from a supposedly... No, if, big he'd lamped, man? if he'd lamped him, then I know that people... Morelos support would have been all over Morelos and there are times he winds you up when losing but if somebody did that to me I think I'd have, I'd have spun around and punched him without think you know without having the, the, the second or two to walk you know the red mist comes down it's a horrible thing to have happened to you it's happened to me in a football pitch and uh, it, it one it hurts like fuck and two it's, it, you, you genuinely just want to to, to go in and knock seven bells out the guy Um I to me, he's entered Whitaker territory now in yes. terms of just yeah, you might have played for us, but you certainly weren't a good enough player to excuse this, and you can you know you forget it kind of thing. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there might be people out there who are big Kurt Broadfoot fans, and if so, um, as you know, in this show, one thing we do not do and never will do is sit down before it and go, "I'm going to say this about Kurt Broadfoot," so you say that. And we'll have an argument. We don't do that. If we disagree, we'll say it, and we'll, we'll disagree with each other. And if we agree, then everyone's on it. So you you may be a listener who is a a big fan of his. Uh, in which case, you know, please let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll put your point a- across. But uh, to me, it was vile, and uh, he should be getting done there, not not Morelos. Um, if I've been harsh, I'll make it up to him. I'll send him a dozen eggs, hmm. right, and he can. Uh, he can hopefully poach them. Right, uh, now, that will do us for this week because there's no game to preview, uh, obviously, with uh, this dreadful International Week thingy that we have. So there'll be no heart and hand extra this week, folks, because obviously that's a preview show and we don't get preview, but there will be a heart and hand next Monday. So there will be a show next week, but there won't be one on Thursday. Now, we normally at this stage do our Total Heartson Award, um, but this week we're going to do something a little bit different in a throwback, in a throwback to the early days of Heart and Hand. Uh, there was, of course, the patron saint of Heart and Hand, Mr. Gigi Bacali, um, former owner of Stoia Bucharest and uh, all-round, uh, shall we say, colourful character. And James, he's been up to no good again, hasn't he? Well, it's, I don't think it's that he's been up to no good. It's, he's done an interview uh, in, in the past couple of weeks which goes into a lot of things, how he wants to end up kind of selling all this stuff and going into a monastery and... I how... think that's a lie, <laughs> right, first yeah. of all. I don't believe he does. Yeah, well, yes, you know, make, make up your own thoughts. How shock horror, he's he's quite a fan of all things Donald Trump. Um, in oh, fact, there was shock. talk of the... Yeah. Not a huge yeah, No, there was talk of in Romania being a Trump Bacali Tower uh, in Romania, <laughs> according to him, but uh, that, that fell through. But I like this, this answer most of all when he was asked whether... You know, when when he was owner of Stoy Bucharest, you know, did he decide the team? Does he make substitutions during the game? And this was his answer. I see things like this. The boss is the one who suffers the most. Let's say someone herds sheep. If the sheep are not well, the boss is affected, not the shepherd. He is paid to do his job, but he is he doesn't suffer as much as the owner. When my money is involved, I don't let anyone decide for me. I decide everything. If I see a coach is good, I don't interfere. But I have to feel him first. If he brings me milk, cheese and wool, 
It's great. That's what <laughs> matters to me. It's a question of inches. I have to know everything that's moving at my club, everything that's happening. I have to study. I have to be informed. He was then asked, do you still keep sheep? Yes, I have around 100. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I think he's got a bit confused. If he's been wanting his football managers to bring him milk, cheese and wool, and he's been wanting his shepherds to come up with a way to get past a low block, then you can. it's like one of those crazy Channel 4 shows where people swap jobs for a week, isn't it? It's a wee bit. It's it's quite it's quite odd. It's actually a really really fascinating interview because he he also he also talked about there was there was this thing that you might have mentioned before his his views on women's football, um, which he he had his views and he was asked about this and and his answer was I respect women a lot. I love one woman only. He wanted to make that very clear. Yeah. What I said about women in football was out of love. I think women are sensitive and beautiful and that they need to be protected, not exposed. They now say I'm crazy and discriminating against women. Who loves women more than me? I have a wife whom I loved until the day I die. Who <laughs> loves women more? Those who have two or three girlfriends at a time or those with five or six marriages, I don't think a man should get married more than once. I love and protect my wife. Those who leave women, those who treat them badly, who speak dirty in front of them are good, and I am a bad, right? Okay, then I'm crazy and they aren't. I am discriminating and they are loving and respecting women. I love that. He's just had a complete argument with himself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you have to admire that level of of headbangeriness. And I always love that that argument. I mean, I, I love women. I, I my mother was one. Uh, you know, it's, it's like people say, I, I'm not racist, I, I love Indian food, and I have the music of Whitney Houston in the house. Uh, it, it never it never quite washes. All right, folks, thank you very much for joining us this week on Heart and Hand. Uh, we will, of course, be back next week. But if you can't wait, and uh, nor should you, given some of the content we have, you should go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Heart and Hand, where you'll find up to five shows every single day covering everything to do with Rangers, including um, current events obviously day-to-day news updates uh think shows on different eras involving the club comedy shows quizzes you name it we do it and we also do a whole host of other non-rangers content as well both involving football and some not including these two doing their show patronizing it's like a millennials version of off the ball they told me which is why i don't listen to it but they're developing a bit of a cult audience is that an l or an n james no, it's, it's an L. And uh, uh, you're, you're enjoying yourselves, boys, it's fair to say. Yes. Um, well, well, we've never quite got rid of the tag. It's an alternative version of Off the Ball. That was uh, James's fault. It's oh, throw like, me under the bus, why don't you? Sick. Well, it's I've always waiting, doing I've, that. I've, I've been waiting for this opportunity. Uh, no, we, we're a lot better than Off the Ball. A lot better. That's not really a... Huge standard, in all fairness. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the standard we've we've clearly set, though, David. And we're not we're not really aiming much higher. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. Yep, that's that's a sensible mm. way of going about it. But uh, it's well worth a listen, folks. And it's even just worth it for the wonderful Father Ted gifts that uh, I used to. To, to demonstrate it but uh, in, in terms of other things we have an interview tomorrow with Davy Robertson who, or sorry next Tuesday actually with Davy Robertson who uh, Martin's recorded it today and uh, he's been in the news recently with the Real Cashmere documentary but uh, a great ranger actually Davy Robertson was a wonderful player for us in the 90s I hope you're listening to Kirk Broadfoot and uh, we'll never interview that prick eh no I wouldn't even interview him 
No, exactly. And I'd, and I'd done it for you, anybody. You you would uh, if you're a, an ex ranger, even if you you know never played or whatever. Um, it's still not the best suggestion for a show we've ever had. A listener once got in touch and he suggested a show called All That Jazz, where he would have discussions with former Rangers youth player Jazz Jutler. I said, "Oh, do you know Jazz?" <laughs> and he said, "No." <laughs> You just get the title and working back. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's a great concept. Jazz, if you're listening, get in touch. Um, but patreon.com forward slash heart and hand is just one ninety nine per month and we think you'll enjoy it. Just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and to thank my two guests, the wonderful Mr. James Forrest. Thank you very much, David. The splendid Mr. Chris Bett. Thank you, David. And I will talk to you again next Monday. Until then, folks, you have a great week. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Podcast Network.